radioinfluence.com. Help is on the way to cope with post-election malaise and get us back on our feet from renowned forensic psychologist Dr. Carol Lieberman on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. I don't know about you, but there are so many people that I no longer can figure out. This includes both family and friends, or should I say former friends, liberals throughout America. For example, The evidence of this attempted Marxist, socialist, communist takeover is before us in plain sight. Our freedom and liberty are being besieged daily in a full frontal assault, at least to us. To them, orange man still is bad or some silliness like that. It's enough to have me seeking a couch where someone can explain such things to me to keep my rational head from finally exploding. Do you feel like that? Well, help is on the ray. Are you ready? Let's get into it. She's a board certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist with decades on the clinical faculty at UCLA, as well as being a consultant to Congress and to the media. She's been working as a forensic psychiatrist and an expert witness for more than 20 years with an unparalleled track record of success in hundreds of criminal and civil cases nationwide, including many of the high profile variety. She's a columnist for a leading crime magazine and the best-selling author of four books, two on terrorism and two on relationships. Is there a TV talk show we haven't seen her on? A three-time Emmy honored TV personality. She's appeared all over Fox News, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Oprah, Court TV, everywhere. And there's more. She hosts Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com and the Terrorist Therapist podcast, known worldwide as America's Psychiatrist. I welcome to the broadcast, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you. How are you, Carol? I'm fine, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks very much for coming on. And I've never done this on the show before, but if you don't mind, I'd like to start out with uh, you putting me on the proverbial couch. And um, I'm asking this not only for me, but for so many among we the people. We just can't figure this out. And I, I really mean this. This is serious. Most Americans, I would think, know a little bit about world history to different levels. Most people know something about Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, Mao. Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez, Madero, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? How can we be allowing this to happen in our America based upon people saying, well, I heard what Bernie said. I know they're progressives. I see if you look at the Communist USA website and compare it to the Democratic Party's agenda, they kind of sort of lining up. I understand the move to socialist. I know it's happened in China and it's happened in Germany. And it's happened in Venezuela, but it won't happen here. I got to go on the couch. I, I 
please explain this to us. Yes, well, um, first of all, it's denial, you know, it's rationalization. It's people who want to vote Democrat and they don't want to believe what the Democrats really stand for. And to go back to what you were saying at the beginning, some people know some degree of history. Well, the problem is that what's being taught in American schools um, <laughs> is more CRT and, and becoming trans and how to have gay sex than real history. I mean, history and whatever history they are learning is not real history. Yes, but we don't we know this is what happened in all these countries like they didn't just go from not knowing anything to in other words, it's progressive. And yet, by the way, that's a great name for progressives because mm -hmm. it is progressive. It progressively moves from a Marxist point of view. It moves into socialism and eventually, you know, the strong hand and the communism will come down. But haven't we seen this enough? And, and you're even actually hearing people calling themselves. You see they're trying to overturn the Constitution. You understand the First and Second Amendment are a complete assault. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that, okay, I'm back on the couch. I, uh, I had a friend, I don't even, we haven't talked in years because this was it for me, three years, four years ago. Uh, he's black, he's college educated, he's probably in his 60s. And he's uh, was supporting Biden and supporting the Democrats. And I told them they're 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 Marxists. They're 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 pushing a communist agenda. And here was his comment: Well, I'd rather live under communism than have a racist president like Trump. That's for damn yeah. sure. That's the last time I spoke to him. I said, Okay, that's it. I'm I'm gone. Uh, Again, I'm back on your couch looks better than mine. I'm laying on yours and I'm doing this for we the people. What is going what is in these people's minds? Well, you know, um, they have good PR. They have managed to convince people that Trump is racist um, and and, you know, everything else an extreme and violent. And and the uh, January 6th was an insurrection. They have great PR. I think we need better PR. Um, it's it's first of all, a lot of people are voting the way their father and grandfather voted. You know, uh, if they the Democratic Party was better back then. Um, and so they just don't want to hear about what's new and what it really is now and all that. Um, you know, and that is it really, you know, so many people, even in the, just the past election, uh, they weren't really voting for the Democrat who was running for whatever office it was. They were running against Republicans, um, you know, because they have this idea of what Republicans are and what Republicans are going to do. And we need between now and 2024, besides fixing the honesty of the elections, we need to um, really get the message across about what's what, you know, what each party stands for. I thought Trump did a good a good job of that in his announcement about running for president. But then um, what is up with his meeting with Kanye West and the other guy whose name I don't remember right now, but who is a, a Nazi? Do you know about that just recently? No, no. I know he had met with Kanye West uh when he ran the first time. Right. And well, a lot of people listen to these people like the Kanye West. So 
you know, people, hey, if Kanye likes Trump, maybe I can like Trump. Right. And I know that, yes, and I I know that was the first time and seemed to make sense and all that. But Kanye is off the rails now. He was Um, off the rails then. (laughs) Well, he's more off the rails. I mean, he's manic depressive. And so he goes through these uh, manic episodes, which is what I think he's in now. And so he met, had had a lunch at Mar-a-Lago and met with Trump, and he brought along a friend. I should have written down the name. I was just, just really kind I of I think I know who it is. Quentin, I'm so far removed from that, but I think I know what you're talking and about. And his friend, um, you know, was a very bad man. And so now, and Trump's just said, um, it's in Breitbart, he was saying that he didn't know who this guy was. Well, okay, I believe that, but maybe he should have found out before he agreed to have lunch with him because it kind of looks bad. Well, I got a question. Why is it we get taken to the woodshed for something like that, but uh, George Soros or anybody, yeah. any leftist radical, you live out there on the on the left coast, right? Any, you know the you know the deal of your your, your governor, you know any radical. You know, it doesn't matter how radical they are. And, you know, I've had Morgan Brittany and Kevin Sorbo and Hollywood people on this show that work with and know radical people. They can they can take anybody to meet whoever they want. They can take (laughs) nobody cares. Yes, that's true. No, I know. I know. It was unfortunate. Um, There's just well, you were saying about, uh, you know, I mean, there's so much. I mean, this is the thing. Really, when you look, you were talking about progressives. Really, when you look at it, they have been progressing for years now. And it really hasn't been as apparent as in the past two years, especially ever since George George Floyd. All of a sudden, it seems like these things are coming out of the woodwork, Um, the CRT and and the trans and the um, you know, and and just and and these bills that Biden passes and so on. Uh, of course, it's coming all coming from uh, um, from Obama. Um, you know. Yeah, we're I mean, going to get into that because we're going to get into Biden's mental health. <laughs> yes. So I mean, you know, and of course, so by, uh, um, Obama is a um, is uh, you know a communist, a socialist certainly, mm-hmm. if not a communist. And so all of these horrible things that have been done in the past two years that are like making us, you know, throw up our hands. What is going on in this country? It's all it's you know, it's it's Obama's uh, continuing to be president and and doing all these things. And especially, you know, one of the things I know this is like, uh, I don't know, not PC, shall we say. But, um, uh, you know, I do this work as the terrorist therapist. And so I've been doing work on terrorism. Um, you know, I've written two books on terrorism. I do the terrorist therapist podcast and so on. I've been helping people doing interviews and all kinds of stuff. And so I, I pay attention to terrorism is mm-hmm. my point. And um, and when Obama was president, he made this country more vulnerable to terrorists than any other president. And and continuing, of course, now when he told when he told Biden to get out of Afghanistan in the way he did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but and I, I do believe that it is because of his childhood, his roots in in being a Muslim right, and being Islam. really, yeah. really Islam. And, and he wants um, uh, America to be overrun by radical Islamists. And so so we are in in deep doo doo. You know, this is really and, and it just seems like it. 
I know it didn't happen overnight, but it just seems like all of these things are springing up or we have become more aware of all of these things in, in a flurry, in a recent flurry. And um, that is the, the really scary part, that we're kind of behind uh, in, in our attempts to fix these things. Well, Dr. Lieberman, I actually semi-welcome the flurry because I believe in the boiling frog theory. You know that if you if you throw a frog in boiling water, he'll jump out if he can because he realizes it's hot. But if you just change the temperature a degree or two every 30 minutes, he'll cook comfortably. Right. And I really thought that with everything people have seen, and I'm going to get to something you, you, you brought up about the terrorism aspect. I thought with the inflation and the gas and the grids and, and pulling out of Afghanistan and, and all the stuff that we're seeing and the transgender and everything that's going on, that people, it would have just been just so overwhelming that just like we did with the House and Senate during Barack Obama's second term, we just said enough of these people. See, now we'll get into, and I'm going to ask you, but I want you to answer this question first, then we'll get into how and why you got involved after the 9-11 murder. But I would have thought, even people on the left, where you're listening, I've only, these people talking about out of White House and the press conferences, the border is secure, nobody's coming to, and, and you're watching on CNN and MSNBC, you're, you're watching the people as they're interviewing people, saying about how safe the border is, we're watching these people come across <laughs> the border like it's a like it's the you know a parade, and you know that they're not just drug dealers. You know they're not just people that think they want to work or whatever, or people leaving the country. You know the terrorists are coming across the border, Absolutely. and that doesn't please. Before my head explodes, explain the mindset of people that don't understand a country without a border is not a country. You're, Seeing these people being bussed in and flown into all these cities. Yes. They, and yeah, and we have to wear a mask, allegedly, which <laughs> I've never done, right? Or we have to take the vaccine, which I've never done. But they just come, we don't know what they have. Exactly, exactly. And this I have taken- scared Democrats. I haven't taken the vaccine either, and I don't plan to. And they're pushing, still pushing the boosters and all that. Um, yes, you know, people are in denial. Um, it's overwhelming. People are feeling helpless. Like I think what really brought things, made things sort of explode. Yes, it's been happening for ages and we haven't necessarily been carefully watching it, but it's been exploding in part because of COVID, because for the past two plus years, we have been focusing on COVID. You know, we've been kept in our little homes and and told what to do and all that. And that's been our, oh, we've been so scared and, you know, um, afraid of our mortality, of course, and all of this. And so we, a lot of people have for, forgotten about terrorism and think, oh, well, 9-11, that was a one and done and they're not going to, you know, come back at us. Well, they have been planning to to overrun the West and make us follow Sharia law and all of that for over a thousand years. It is not one and done. Um, if anything, in fact, I did on my podcast for 9-11, I did 10 reasons why we're more vulnerable today than we were for 9-11. So, but, you know, people don't want to think about that. And 
And yes, of course, the people coming across the border is one of the reasons why we're more vulnerable. With uh, they found people on the terrorist watch list. I mean, they and imagine all the people that they haven't found who have come across, and and they're not testing for COVID. And I mean, yes, and and of course, the point is to get more people to vote Democrat because they want more handouts. Um, you know, I'm originally from New York, and um, that's where I am. I'm I'm on Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, good for Long Island. You at least, um, <laughs> you at least voted in a lot of Republicans. So that yeah, we great. we did a good. And I, I don't think Hochul won, but we'll get into that later. Oh, I, I'll find something on her, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it seems so. Cra- that was the election that bothered me the most, because more than Fetterman. Well, do you I know Doctor Ross? <laughs> well, I met him, but um, okay, uh, but. And it's not that I'm so for Dr. Oz. I, I understand I kind of, perfectly. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of ambivalent about Dr. Oz, but but Fetterman was an outrage, you know. But I, it's, I'm not saying more than I mean more than than Fetterman because because I still my heart is still in New York, and I you know I read the New the New York Post every day mm-hmm. uh, as well as other things. But and so I see as well you I'm sure have too. Every day there are pictures, photographs of things that went on that day in New York City. Um, the the you know the shootings in the street in broad daylight. The, the throwing uh, people on the subway, just going into a bodega, shooting people, just. Punching little old ladies out of it. We see this every day. It's just no, there's no crime. <laughs> yes, yes. And, oh, between between Hochul and the the DA and and right. the governor, I mean the mayor and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so New York has gone become a cesspool, and that is what they are trying to do, and are somewhat succeeding in certain places in the rest of the country. Um, L.A. I'm sure you heard there was a man who shot. Um, 25 sheriffs in training. Ooh, they were on no. a on a on a run in Los Angeles. You know, a part of their uh, physical training. And he just mow. He got shot. I keep saying shot, but I meant mow. He mowed them down mm. with his car. Car, right? Um, and and he didn't get anything. <laughs> he he's not in jail. I mean, it's just crazy. And and yet, and so how voters, you know, coming back to how voters don't realize that they should vote for people who don't want that, who want to stop the uh, criminals being let out the same day and all that. And, I mean, it's like it seems so obvious. But that's why I say for some of them, because um, because some Republicans have gotten such bad press or Republicans in general, you know, um, that people are, are more just like with Biden, really, um, they they weren't voting for Biden. They were voting against Trump. So 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 they say. And so it appears. Now, let's back up because I wanted to talk to you about terrorism and the border. And as I said, people don't understand what, what they should see what's coming across the border. But this gives us an opportunity for you to tell people how after the uh, 9-11, which my former wife, her building, she she changed. She was in building two. And I think on the I think it was the sixth floor. We were divorced at the time, but we were still friends. And she would always go from Bayside, I think, and to her office and put 
all her things on her desk and then go across the street on one Wall Street to the bodega and get her coffee or something. For the first time in her life, she changed the routine and went to the bodega first. So by the time she was in the bodega, the first building got hit. Oh, wow. So when she came out to go across the street, they already had barricades up. So she w- was was fortunate. She's alive. She's fortunate to avoid uh, being in there. But she saw the people jumping out of the windows and bodies falling. Across. It was a mess. But that changed your life because you said from that day, that's when you got involved in yes. terrorism, writing books and consoling and counseling people over unexpected grief. Please explain. Yes. Um as I said, although I had already moved to California, you know, I was born and bred in New York City and um, the Bronx, Flushing, uh, Forest Hills and then Manhattan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went to Stony Brook on the island. Um, and and my heart is still there. And my daughter was going to school um, at the time when 9-11 happened in New York to, go to college. And um, she was a freshman at Barnard. And so she was giving me blow by blow, you know, descriptions in addition to, of course, what the media was showing. But that just, you know, I, I asked myself, what can I do? Because I knew this wasn't going to be a one and done even back then. Um, at what can I do to help America um, not only uh, heal from or or try to counter the effects of 9-11, which are still impacting us to this day and impacting children of the parents of who were there in 9-11. I mean, I don't mean just in the buildings, I mean who were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and and to help people become more resilient for the future attacks that are to come. And so that's when I got into, you know, I started off with making a, uh, well, I did a hotline and I did a uh, an audio and a video program for airplanes, you know, in their on- mm-hmm. in-flight entertainment. Um, and then I, st- my first book actually about terrorism was done for London. Children. Yeah. Well, no, the second, the c- most recent one is for children. Children. Okay. My, my first one was done as the first was, uh, published by a London publisher for the one year anniversary edition of their nine 11, which was seven, seven. And then I went on to do um, my more recent one, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, which is the first half of the book is for um, parents and teachers. And the second half is a picture book for kids, like all the, you know, the real stuff about terror, like um, Osama bin Laden being the uh, most famous terrorist. And I talk about the underwear terrorist and the shoe bomber and that the Boston Marathon, you know, kind of I hit on the the classic topics. Uh, why? Why is a terror? What is a terrorist? A terrorist is like a bully on the playground, you know, trying to bully us to believe in what they believe in, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, people need to, even though they're not really, they have them. It's so funny because even though people, for the most part, Americans anyway, haven't been thinking so much about terrorism because of COVID and so on, and they've kind of buried themselves um, into all these other problems too, inflation and, and et cetera. Um, I get like, I have like 22,000 people, um, listening to some of my podcasts. I mean, you know, and it really, um, 
so people are interested. I don't know where these people are from. <laughs> it might be from. I know because I it, the main place that it's on is uh, Renegade. Um, talkradio.com mm-hmm. but it's on lots of other podcast places and so one of the places I, I where I saw the analytics um, you know some of them are from like Russia and, uh, and and Middle Eastern countries so maybe they're trying to figure out how best to uh, what best to do to America but I, I you know I, I really think that uh, that the majority of people are Americans or whatever. I mean, people all over the world, you know, you were talking about the, the people crossing the border who are terrorists. What is happening in Europe, what has been happening and is continuing to happen and is, is worse and worse in France and in England and in Belgium, all those countries, the migrants, you know, with terrorist uh, um, plans, um, jihadists are coming across their borders and um, even non-jihadists, I mean, even people, just people who are migrants, who are nice people, but they want they want to be supported by these European right. governments. Um, that is what is happening to America. And people don't see the connection, don't see that this is what is happening to us. The, the, the migrants who are coming across into the European countries, whether they're terrorists or not, um, they are bleeding these countries dry. They are uh, creating a lot of violence and destroying the countries. And that is basically what is starting to happen and is going to happen unless it's checked in America. Right, and I started yapping to people back about 15 years ago that one of the things that they were interested in, the Democratic Party, was getting these people in over here and then giving them a fast track to American citizenship. And people said, no, that'll never happen. And you probably know. And when you were here, he was still a senator, Chuck U. Schumer. You know what? Yeah, yeah we, it's time to give all illegal aliens. We're going to give them all citizenship. Yeah, right. This has all been the plan all along. You're losing black people and you're losing Hispanics and stuff. You need a new voting base. I, I don't understand why people don't see this. Yeah. Why is everybody going to explode again? Please explain <laughs> this to me. I don't, I don't understand. They know the story of the Trojan horse. And by yeah. the way, if America is such a racist, bigoted, hateful country, why are people risking their life to come in? Why yeah, are Americans, right. sure, Lee, Madonna, is that, whoever, you said you were going to go. Sean Penn, go. Why are they still here? They never leave. You understand what I'm saying? They say, oh, we, we're going to leave. It's in Trump. Why is it everybody is coming in, trying to come in, risking their life, when why don't we just go the other direction? Yes, I think we should. <laughs> um, you know, and, and what I was saying before about they weren't voting for Biden, they were voting against Trump. Um, the, I was connecting that to the bad publicity, but also, you know, I am not convinced uh, and I'm sure you're not either, that it was really a fair election. That election was phony from the get-go, and I still believe it was phony. Trump did win. He did have more votes. There you, go. Um, you know, I know you're not supposed to say that. But. Oh, I do, and I brought guests on this show that are involved in forensics like Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer and people in Arizona that are involved in, and, and quite a few people <clears throat> that are not only involved in this deal, but the people that have some... Uh, They'll tell you the truth about the vaccine and uh, and other things. And, they, you know, they're trying to squelch us. It's like we've turned into a, a communist nation and people don't even realize it. They, do they are, are people people really aren't aware what has happened to most of those people 
from January 6th. I, I could have been one because if it, if it hadn't, been, hadn't been so cold, I would have probably been there. <laughs> I had a bus. I was leaving from Ronkonkoma. I, all my, a lot of my friends, eight guests on my podcast were all there, you oh, know, wow. and, and um, you know, several different types of guests. Star Parker was there. There was all kind of people that were there. And, and I, if, I can't stand cold weather. Otherwise, I may be sitting in singing the national anthem with them at nine o'clock every night. So it's a shame, but nobody knows. Well, yes. Um, and of course, you know, the, the I mean, I watched Trump's speech that morning and he did not tell people to go to the, Senate, to the Capitol and uh, destroy it or go after Nancy Pelosi, although I wish they would have found her. But anyway, um, of course, who's coming next may be worse, but. But anyway, no, he did not tell people to do that. You know, this whole thing. I mean, that's another thing. They did get the um, publicity for the January 6th committee hearings and so on. That turned a lot of people off. Um, so, so, but, you know, also, uh, I was just reading about in, on Breitbart about how uh, a survey showed that 70% of students um, – 70 percent, I forget which age group, but it was it was I, I, up to high school or something. Anyway, they believe that they are terrified of climate change. Um, they believe that that is that's the worst thing that they're worried about. And, um, you know, and of course, Biden has been using climate change. Well, they're all even uh, I mean, Newsom. Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> Newsom has been using climate change. It, it's, it's just like COVID. You know, it's another thing to try to intimidate people and to get money supposedly to be spent on climate change when it's really spent on other things, you know, other um, uh, socialist kinds of things. Um all right, hold on, hold on, because I'm not going to make it through the show if you keep this up. Now, my head is ready. But here we go again. The climate changes, people. First, it was remember it was global warming. Oh, we got to be as about. Then it became global cooling, and then it became <laughs> climate change. It was like, well, you see, they're very slick with their words. If you remember Obama when he first came out, he was at first he was talking about giving people. You know that 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 didn't have uh, it 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 changed to coverage, but at first he was talking about oh, yeah. we're gonna give you put you on medical plans and this and then it became coverage. He changed the word. Why are they concerned about the climate's been changing since the beginning of the universe? Don't people Absolutely. understand it was global cooling, <laughs> global warming, then global cooling. Now my head's ready to burst again. Can't people figure this out? And and of course, Kerry and everybody and Gore and they get all this money. What what is wrong? With, what is wrong with our minds that we're not yes, picking this yes. up? Well, they're teaching it. You know, that's the big problem. They're teaching all these things to young kids, to to kindergartners and first graders and all that. And so then when they grow up, they believe all this stuff. And um. That's, you know, we have to get in there. We have to be more Republican teachers. You know, that's the problem. There are so many, I mean, some teachers are wonderful, but there are so many teachers who, you know, uh, grooming the kids, abusing the kids, all kinds of horrible things. Um, and yet, but they are filling their minds with... <coughs> with things that are very dangerous, you know, things that are not, that don't bode well for the future. And um, 
and that's like I was mentioning about uh, with with 9-11, the kids of the parents, you know, parents who were going through when ki when kids were growing up, let's put it that way. And then the next group of kids who were growing up with parents who had been through 9-11. The problem is that they saw their parents feeling helpless and anxious um, at that time and overwhelmed. And they that is why they have grown up now. Um, I mean, of course, it doesn't help that the teachers in college and so on are, are continuing this progressive education and stuff. But they grew up being afraid of the world and wanting big daddy, big brother, big somebody to take care of them. And that is why they are so amenable to socialism, following Bernie and all this other kind of stuff, because because they're, they were scared. They grew up, they absorbed the feelings of their parents, the fear and so on of their parents. And they thought, oh, wow, we need somebody to take care of us. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a personal question, but I'll give you my testimony first. Uh, I was a child of the, uh, I was in high school in the 60s and college at Ohio U in the 70s. I was born black. Uh, you're born black. I was raised in Summit, New Jersey, went to Summit High School, which, you know, was an hour from Manhattan, from where you were. And uh, being black, you're Democrat, because that's all you know. Everybody, maybe they, they say they're for the little people and they're for the, you know, this and that. And they never let us know it was Republicans, that it was Democrats that tried to block the civil rights movement. But anyway, the point is, so I, I changed. I eventually, I got born again, saved, you know, and, and then I changed, it completely changed my outlook politically, you know, where I can figure it out. I can see what's right and what's wrong were you always growing up in new york city were you always like this or do you have a liberal background like i did and if you found your way and i found my way and i don't know you're going to tell me because i don't know why can't others see it well <laughs> um <laughs> when i was growing up i wasn't really into politics altogether right yeah and um, even college, uh, medical school, I, I, I really have only gotten more interest. I mean, I, I became a Republican, I think, you know, I was an adult. I, I don't really, I don't really remember when exactly. But, um, but, you know, when I started seeing, certainly in these last, you know, last decade, at least, um, when I started finding out, you know, what was going on in the world, um, as far as, you know, understanding what each party was for, I, I was, you know, I was into medical school. I was learning to be a doctor. I was in my mm -hmm. psychiatry residency at Bellevue and all that. I was not thinking about politics. And the people around you weren't like, <clears throat> you know, well, they that's good. Talking, talking that's about good. it. But, um, and, you know, as a psychiatrist, you know, in the media, what I used to talk about well, I used to talk about the news and things that were going on, try to help people cope with the news and so on. So that wasn't a big stretch going from that to then talking about 9-11 and terrorism and so on. But, um, but you know, I would talk about very sort of um, benign <laughs> topics, uh, like I had a column about, you know, Hollywood on the couch, you know, talking about Hollywood celebrities and their problems and how people can learn from that and that kind of thing. But then in the last, I don't know, more recently, when I am, have begun to see America going down the tubes, that is when I have turned my, what I focus on to talk to people about 
um, these kinds of issues that we're talking about, how how America's going down the tubes, why it's going down the tubes, what you need to do to fix it. Um, and I mean, terrorism is a part of that, but but it's sort of separate in a way. But I mean, trying to get people to wake up um, and realize what's going on, because I mean, for example, you know, the uh, the the fact that we're, most schools don't have the Pledge of Allegiance and um, don't have flags, and um, which, by the way, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy promised that he was going to bring back to the House the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and prayer every morning. That's how he was going to start um, the day, which I think is mm -hmm. fabulous. Um, I mean, you know, I would I would love to to accomplish that to bring. Um, if not prayer, then not that I'm against prayer, but I just think that would be even harder than bringing back the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that back in the schools. That is, you yes. know, when that went down the tubes, that is at the at the root of why people, you know, are are so easily persuaded to be against America. Like the the athletes going to the uh, they see athletes going to the Olympics, Olympic athletes turning their mm -hmm. back on the flag right. and not singing the the anthem, and and football players taking a knee and all of this. I mean, you know, the kids. I mean, adults too, obviously see that, but. But it's especially kids are are, are are they're impressionable, and when they see like their heroes, so to speak, or people who have accomplished something, you know, doing this kind of thing, they think, well, well, I should do that too. Yeah, America sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I hear you. You know, you know, doc, Dr. Lieberman. I use the word insidious a lot, not because I really like the word per se, but because it fits. <laughs> Far too many situations and platforms and agendas that are happening in our nation. Now, you've used the word in regard to forces seeking to turn us into a socialist communist nation, forces gradually taking away our America. You've used that word insidious for them. Uh, please unpack that because it ties into just what you're talking about, the insidiousness of forces gradually taking away our nation. And I would say it was gradual till two years ago. Now it's a full court press. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, because when people started rioting, and that's what it was uh, about George Floyd, um, you know, they were emboldened when they weren't stopped. Or even people who had nothing to do with George Floyd, but people in uh, like in Seattle or in Oregon and, and you know, and they, they took over the city and they weren't stopped and they were emboldened. But yes, insidiously, like, you know, like with the teachers who weren't, uh, we weren't hearing about these things anyway, teachers teaching uh, these kinds of things or, or politicians or rhinos, for example, that's another example of the mm -hmm. insidiousness. You know, when people voted them in, they did not expect them to sort of become Democrats when they got to Congress. I hear you. You know, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, a quote you said, here's a quote. We expected to be surfing a big red wave about now, but it turned out to be a low tide, question mark. We could A, give up, B, go back to bed, C, drink ourselves into oblivion, never give people that option, <laughs> D, punch a Democrat in the nose. Um, I don't even think that would help, uh, but, but none of these choices would get us anywhere and we would be worse off in 2024. You have written and come up with three steps to get us back on track 
out of this malaise. Let's unpack those three choices. One you said was uh, to get over the post-election blues and not be listening to the psycho babble from the New York Times. Two, analyze what went wrong in the midterms. And three, we recommit to what we could do to make 2024 the big red wave. Please get the people off the ledge. Yes, um, because of course it was disappointing. Disappointing doesn't do it. <laughs> I mean, I was depressed for days. I still, um, you know, I, it's still, uh, we, we all have to still be thinking about it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's even going to be worse when, when in January, right, when the people uh, get sworn in. But anyway, um, the antidote to depression or, or disappointment and so on is action. And so you can't just, you know, sit home and cry. Um, you have to go out and do something and recommitting. You know, people who didn't like the, the results um, need to find out what they can do to help to elect people who they want in 2024. You know, there's no there is no um, lack of a need for volunteers. You know, there's mm-hmm. always something that you can do, whether it's calling people or or driving voters to the to the um, election site or or speaking out against uh, some of the crazy things that they're doing in the in the for voting. You know, all of the. I mean, I think it's great. For example, that Carrie Lake is refusing to concede, at least the last mm-hmm. I heard she was, still was, uh, because the ballots boxes, the the machines weren't working. I mean, you know, these things, so many, so many th- mistakes, mistakes, so many um, cheating things <laughs> were going on. And, um, and, you know, people have brought that to the engine. And then, of course, when you um, try to fix, see, that's the problem. That's one of the problems, that when you try to fix these things um, after the election, um, you know, after the election has been, uh, has been, um, um, what's the word authorized or uh, valid you know whatever the word is but you know if you like what we tried to do um, in in various places after the 2020 um, election you know it was a little late to I mean especially because the people in charge of deciding whether or not that these things should be recounted or whatever um, were Democrats so in the various states that didn't help and then of course Pence you know, it was so obvious obvious that Pence was doing what he did or not doing, not asking for recounts because he was planning on on running for president. It was so obvious. And of course, now, you know, lo and behold, he is. Whoa, Uh, whoa, whoa, stop. I hadn't heard that one. You know that? You know what? I had never. This is the first time I'm hearing that. I thought once everything broke out, he just became afraid. Once they realized all that violence was so close to him, among other things that but I thought, you see, all he had to do was just say, let's look at Arizona and the Michigan, Wisconsin. Everybody would have followed suit. Right. Well, yeah. And, and you know, it wouldn't have taken very much at all at that right. time. But he just did it because he didn't he knew that if um, if Trump would get in. Like he wanted to be able to have that be open for him to run in now or um, well, let me ask you, let me just push back a little on that one. Didn't it cross his mind if he did that, he'd be the most hated man in America since Benedict Arnold? 
Well, I think what he, yes, amongst Trump supporters, but I think he was hoping that there would be people who would like what he did or didn't do. Yeah, Democrats. (laughs) (laughs) That he didn't ask for it. And and, I mean, I have read this, maybe I'm wrong, but I have read this in various places. And and I expected it, you know, so it was just like, oh yeah, that's now he has shown his hand. That was what he was doing. so, and yes, I mean, he should be, nobody should be paying any t- attention to him other than to uh, see him as a traitor, really. There you go. Amen. Uh, I hear you. You know, you mentioned the name. You you did mention Gulag Gavin, uh, <clears throat> your governor. And after the recall and everything, and I, I had people coming on telling me Larry Elder would beat him. I don't know if it was rigged or not because the numbers look really, really bad, but Here's what I don't understand, and uh, maybe you can help me again to get get this through my head to understand. After everything that state went through, how could they reelect that guy? And do you have any any success? My my motto is just get one, flip blue to red. You don't need a lot, just get one, and then that person will get one. Do you have any success? Because I have no success outside of this show. I hope people listen to people like you and the guests that have been on. And listen to the guests and decide, okay, I'm I'm gonna change my vote, but geez, what the heck is going out there on the on 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 the, the left coast? I uh well, you know, we did have Schwarzenegger for a while. He was a Republican. Okay. And he did okay. I, that's why I said that's the word I use. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was you know, he wasn't really a, he didn't really know what was going on. Arnold. But um, and I wasn't a big, uh, you know, I I I was um, back in the day, the thing that I was uh, most angry about and I'm still angry about it and still talk about it, but not as much as I was the head of the National Coalition on TV Violence. Mm -hmm. And so I would do protests outside movie theaters and so on and uh, uh, violent movies and um, violent television shows. And in fact, I did, I spoke in front of the Senate, in front of the Congress um, three times talking about the negative effects of violent media and video games are the worst. Um, And so anyway, not to get too far astray. Well, hold on, let's stay right there because you brought up something fascinating. Do you consider, considering how minds work, that we have become so desensitized to violence. I remember when this started. It started with Sam Peckinpah's movie, The Wild Bunch, uh-huh. with Lee Marvin and, and Yul Brynner. And that was the first movie in which they actually slowed down bullets where you could see impact and blood spurting out. From then on, that started this wave of violence. Are we so desensitized to seeing violence? And like even a Mason, you never would see that somebody get killed. You, you just walk in there, the guy's laying and the girl's yeah, laying. You know, but now we're so used to seeing this that when we see real death, it's like, oh. Yes. You know, there were studies. Uh, there have been studies for decades showing that media violence, the more hours of media violence that you consume, the more aggressive you become. Not everybody becomes a serial killer, but it has to do also with, um, you know, your, it primarily with your childhood, whether you were abused, what kind of childhood you had. Um, and, and the problem is that the children who are abused and neglected are the ones who more likely spend more hours on video games because they're depressed and they're alone and all of that. And school shooters, all of them have been uh, obsessed with violent video games. Um, so, 
And, and you know, this is what we're seeing now. And I predicted this whenever when I don't remember when the first one was school shooting after the after the um, I mean, um, the one in, in Michigan was one of the early ones. Um, but I predicted that uh, we would see more school shootings, more mass shootings than ever before. And that's because they're, it's called bedroom terrorists. Um, I, I first saw that term in a, uh, in a British paper describing a terrorist who had um, shot, killed uh, a politician, you know, um, there. And they described him as a bedroom terrorist, meaning, um, now I don't know, I don't know that he um, actually had spent all this time watching watching playing violent video games. But um, but it's like the the point is that the people who have been in COVID, in lockdown, in Britain, mm -hmm. here, all over, the people who have been in, in lockdown and who have spent more hours than ever on online playing video, violent video games, they would come out, and I presumably that was what this guy did, um, they would come out and we have started seeing this. We've, you know, we've had, in the past few months, we've had more mass uh, shooters than ever. And so they spent all these months practicing and becoming uh, enraged, you know, um, on the violent video games, and then they go out and then they do it. So we're going to be seeing more and more of this. I mean, it's a uh, it's a factor of these bedroom terrorists of the people who have learned um, how to become shooters, you know, and practicing. I mean, that's what they that's how they teach the American military and probably other militaries too on violent video games so that they get desensitized like what you're saying, they get desensitized to shooting people. Well, I was and asking also, that's 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 interesting that you brought that aspect up. I was looking at it asking you from also from the point of view of the average American citizen that is so desensitized to seeing violence in the movies and on television. When you look at somebody shot in a bodega or somebody just throws somebody on the subway in New York, that you just go ho hum because it's you're, you're just so used to seeing it where this stuff would have been shocking 40 years ago. Yes, yes. And like the recent uh, the Walmart shooting from mm -hmm. the past couple of days. Um, yes, you know, it is kind of, I mean, it's getting play in the media, but it's, it is kind of like ho-hum. It's like, oh, another one. Yes. And, you know, I was starting to say that, like, not everyone becomes a serial killer or a mass shooter, but we see violence more in other ways, like people in road rage or airplane rage or domestic violence. They're taking out this aggression somewhere. I hear you. Before I ask you my last question, you know, I, I, I have a little wise guy in me and a little, you know, you know, I've spent a lot of time back in the 80s out in Southern California. And uh, I, I just I, I just have to ask you this question. And it, it, it could be a little bit out of line. And I'm not trying to mock people, but, but you're known as the Beverly Hills psychiatrist. And I just want to know, did anybody ever come to you and ask you to psychoanalyze their dog? Because <laughs> uh, you see it in movies, like you see it in movies <laughs> that, you know, there's uh, people in Beverly Hills, that they, they, their dog can't cope and they, you know, so just, I'm just checking. Was there one? <laughs> well, or what's the know, weirdest, the weirdest thing that you were ever asked to, to analyze? Well, I don't know if it's really in terms of a patient, um, more in terms of cases, 
you know, that I have. Um, people who have done kinds of uh, sort of, I mean, I just had this past week, uh, I was involved in two cases. One was um, a man who, you know, because they expanded the law where you can um, sue people for, you can allege child sexual abuse even longer. They, they extended the time um, that you can make a lawsuit over that. So there is someone who, I mean, I can't say, you know, obviously who they're, mm -hmm. who, um, but they were, they were suing an institution um, for a time that they were there as a patient. And they claimed that a nurse had um, sexually molested them. And this had happened like 50 years ago. And there was no proof whatsoever that mm -hmm. that happened. They could have said that the that the fairy, you know, the, um, the tooth fairy had done that. But, you know, I had to, like, analyze. I had all these records, and I had to try to analyze it. And I made a timeline and saw that a lot of things that he was saying could not have happened, you know. Right, during that um, line, yeah. So no uh, pets, no pets. But, no, I haven't had any pets. I mean, the people, like, what, what came to mind – when you said that some, sometimes patients have brought their pets in to my office. And if I, you know, <laughs> I need them to be, they say they're, they're trained. Right. Um, but I have like wee wee pads just in case. Um, what came to mind was this patient who had a, um, uh, a, a dog and a, an emotional support. People have asked me that a lot mm -hmm. to write them notes that they could have their emotional support dog with them on a plane or um, or in an apartment and so on, and um, you know it is it's a very gray area like what someone needs to be able to prove to have an emotional support dog or a um, you know a physical support dog. It's kind of people are sort of there's a big gray area with that. So I thought about one where this guy brought in this huge dog <laughs> into my office, <laughs> and that was supposed to be an um, uh, an emotional support dog. Yeah, I but, hear you. Know, you. I, I, um, you know, I try to uh, make people feel comfortable, whatever, whatever their problem is. I hear you. But no, I can't remember anybody. I mean, people have talked about uh, things that their dogs do and ask me why, I mean, I guess maybe this is the same thing. They asked me why a dog would do that, that kind of thing and what they could do to, um, to try to fix that, you know, to make their dog or cat happier. Um, and I have a dog and two cats, so I try to give mm -hmm. them uh, some, uh, advice, but, um, but no, to, to ask me whether they could bring their dog in and I would sit there and analyze. Right. 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 No, that has not happened. Right. Well, my final question, and then you can tell people, please tell people how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. My final question, you warned people before when he was running for president that Joe Biden had what you call encroaching dementia. And you've said recently, you don't have to be a forensic psychiatrist to figure this out. And I go, ha, based on the midterm election results, it doesn't seem like enough Americans got the message. You know, and that is one of the most um, frustrating things. I, I was talking about it when he was in his basement and running for election. And and yet, you know, so, yes, yeah, some some people tried to say, well, you just want Trump to win. And yes, of course, I wanted Trump to win. But um, 
But that wasn't the only reason why I was saying it. I was trying to get people to wake up because as part of my forensic uh, expert witness work, some of the cases have to do with um, people like, for example, uh, children who are fighting over their parents' will. And mm -hmm. so they try to say, the ones who were left out try to say, well, my parent wasn't co competent when he signed that will. He didn't mean to, to leave me out. He would never have done that if he were in his right mind. So I have to figure these things out, you know, whether people are competent or not. So I'm used to that. So I, that's why I saw it, you know, from the very beginning that he was having. Now, though, in those days, the signs were more subtle and his, you know, followers were saying, oh, well, that's just Joe. He does all these gaffes and so on. But um, but they're not just gaffes, you know, and um, and now they have over the two years. It has been more obvious. I mean, I think pe most people would have to admit or they would admit, yeah, maybe there's, you know, maybe something's wrong or maybe. Uh, but but when it comes to voting and he's not going to I would be really surprised um, if he makes it to 2024. You know, he says he's going to run in 2024. I would be very surprised if the party. I mean, I think by then he's going to be well, he's getting worse and worse, so he'll be worse. And I, I think they're going to have to realize that, you know, this is just too much. I mean, as it is, we're in so much danger. One of the things I mean, not only does he, does he have memory problems and confabulation, which is where you make up stuff and you hope that the people don't realize because you don't know or you don't remember. Um, emotional volatility. These are all signs. You know, he yells at people in the audience and so on or the reporters. Um, but the worst uh, sign that he has is um, poor abstract thinking. That's the kind of thinking where you have to be able to figure out different strategies and what's going to happen in the future. If you do this, you have to hold these things in your mind at the same mm -hmm. time. And so these, this is what good chess players can do. They have good abstract thinking and they see if, well, if I do this, then you'll do this and then I'll do this. And they see down the line and they can think of many different strategies in their head at the same time. Biden can't even think of one strategy. And we saw the impact of that um, with Afghanistan, you know, when he had this plan or and, and it wasn't working. And we saw early on, he saw that the Taliban wasn't holding to their promise, surprise, surprise. And they were just, you know, invading the country. And yet he didn't do anything to change it because he was, you know, he didn't have a plan B or C or D. And he didn't listen, apparently, to the people who were trying to do something else, tell him to do something else. And that has set off a... Um, like dominoes, you know, falling down, other enemies coming for America. It set off Putin. That was the first one um, who saw, look, this guy is not playing with a full deck. This is the time to strike. And that's when he went into Ukraine. Um, we have Iran, you know, doing what they want to do. Uh, China, um, you know, all of these these leaders, North Korea, you know, testing more missiles and so on. Supposedly, they have a missile now that could strike anywhere, or at least that's what they're saying, anywhere in the United States. So they saw now is the time. You know, we, we you have you don't really have anybody in the presidency. Let's just get going and do, you know, if he'll botch what we do, you know, if, if his counterattack to what we do is as botched as what he did in Afghanistan, we're going to get what we want. Yeah, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, and you don't have to comment on this, but boy, just imagine if this had been President Trump. 
Oh, the media and everybody. Oh, it would be a completely different. Even if he just slips on a on a step or something, it's oh, the guy's brain dead, right? Uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman, I've really enjoyed this. I know our listeners are going to enjoy this. Please tell people how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. Sure. Um, well, they can. I have three websites. Be, um, uh, first of all, terroristtherapist.com and um, drcarol.com, which is carol with an E, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E.com. And then my expert witness one, expert witness forensic psychiatrist. Dot com, and they can listen to my uh, terrorist therapist show podcast. And Dr. Carol's couch is on VoiceAmerica.com. Dr. Carol, uh, I've learned a lot. I, I I hope that I'll be able to. Well, I sleep at night, but I these things yeah. have just been going through my head. And so many people say, "Well, what about this? What about this? And what about this?" And people that we just can't wrap our brains around that people are willing to give up this country this way. But uh, thank you for setting a lot of light on a lot of different situations. You're always welcome to be back as a guest. Dr. Carol Lieberman, everyone. I wanna thank Dr. Carol Lieberman for providing her educated opinion on so many topics, allowing us to lay on her couch free of charge. There are so many unanswered questions, so much that bothers us in this nation teetering on the brink. We may not know exactly what to do to flip the script, but there is one thing we do know. We cannot quit. We cannot give up. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. That's a wrap for now, friends. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.